Welcome to the Patient Flow Podcast, powered by Teletracking. On today's episode, we continue our conversation with Paul Tabor, Director of the Centralized Patient Logistics Center at Broward Health in Broward County, Florida. In this segment, Paul discusses the culture shift in implementing an effective patient flow system. Let's listen in. The leadership from the top gave us our mission to implement this product, make sure it's successful, um, to improve patient flow. That was their driving force. They wanted to improve the patient experience to get them through the ERs, through the inpatient areas, and that is really pushed across our entire organization. Um, All the staff um, at different levels are engaged. They're all engaged at different levels, of course. You always have your early adopters and your late adopters, just like any application that's in, and we are struggling with that at times. But overall, the biggest group of people have been successful with it are um, adapting it. They see the change that it's making. They see the improvement in Left Without Treatments, LWATs, and ED. We had a higher rate, and almost immediately at each one of our medical centers, those LWATs dropped to almost zero, and that continues for the last nine months, six to nine months, depending on which site went live at which time. But um, we're driving towards um, patient throughput, less holds in the PACU um, at most of our sites, and less ICU um, bottleneck um, as we're moving through patients through. Have you had pushback from clinicians at each of your facilities what we hear all the time is, how could that command center possibly know what's happening in my facility? They're located somewhere else. And and just how have you bridged that that gap and, and really ensured that what you're doing in the command center is truly right for mm-hmm. the patient and that you do have phys- visibility into what's happening at each of those mm-hmm. facilities? Um, yes, we have been challenged with that from some of the leadership and some of the medical and nursing staff as well. What we do to bridge that gap is they are our eyes and ears on the field. Um, they are in the hospital. If they see so, something going on, but we give them the ability to move the patients as needed for critical situations, the patient coding, a rapid response, something major going on at their floor right then. It's always patient safety first. Take care of the patient. We'll catch up the system in a few minutes. But that is very far and few between. Um, those types of incidents don't happen a lot in the hospitals, thankfully. So what we do is we partner with them. Um, we own the bed control process. We own the transfer process. We actually own the acceptance process along with the physician that's receiving the call based on or the, the admitting physician or ED um, accepting physician. But we work directly with them. And anything they see through the nursing supervisors, the nurses supervisors are a key role in this. Um, they change their job role. They're no longer really the bed czar. I really know to open them up to do other things with patient flow management, deal with the bottlenecks that are happening that are still going on, or the confusion of moving patients around. Um, they can deal with EBS. They can help deal with transportation to make sure the patients move and have a destination to go when the EBS is finished. How have you been able to market the command center to your referring physicians and hospitals that need to bring patients into Broward Health? We, early on, we worked with teletracking. We took some of your models that you provided with us. We blasted out um, a few weeks before go-live or about a month before go-live to all the medical executive committees. We also attended all the medical executive committees, and I gave a presentation at each one of those about a month before go-live to let them know what's coming, and they passed that information down. 
and our marketing team develops screensavers um, based on a picture from our command center that you guys have used in front of a few of your publications um, as well. Um, and we did the screensavers across the entire organization, and um, word of mouth has been a lot of it, and rounding at the physician uh, meetings has been very important. And one of our latest things is our marketing department is starting to go out to the referring hospitals and referring physician offices to help um, gain support for the system. Um, one of the things that we've improved upon for the referring physicians for direct admits, they no longer have to wait for things. They call our center, one, one number to call, well, no matter which hospital they're with, no matter which one of the four hospitals they're going to, um, they can call any information, them or their staff, we can give them a financial number right then so they can go in and put the electronic orders as the patient's in their office or en route to the hospital so everything is ready when the patient arrives. Also related to throughput, have you seen an impact on your discharge planning process? Um, we started some additional multidisciplinary rounds um, at the hospitals uh, using teletracking uh, resources as some of the guidance for that. Um, so that has gone well at all four medical centers. We are still working to improve our discharge um, times. Um, they are still very high. Um, we understand that that's a complete culture change at our organization as it is at many others. So we are still not meeting our goal of the four hours at this time, but we're working towards that. The goal is under two hours, so we're typically right around the four-hour time frame. Some of our hospitals are up at the six, um, so we continue to work through that. And a lot of that is education related to is it a pending discharge or confirmed discharge and all the consultants that have to sign off on the case or a discharge order is written because the physician is making rounds in the morning, then he or she is ordering a test that's not going to get done until 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and then a decision to truly discharge a patient might not be made that same day. So that's elevating some of our hours. So it's, we're working on those whole processes. What is your one major piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's uh, just getting ready to start this process? Um, main thing is to ensure you have high-level executive leadership that supports the process. Without that, you will not succeed. I participated in many other IT projects. I was an IT manager before I came over to the transfer center. And uh, other projects have failed or been delayed because you did not have the administrative support. And fortunately, in our organization, the top executive supported it, and they filtered it down to the regional executives, and everybody supported So that's the main one. The other one, I would recommend possibly a partner organization, uh, make a buddy system. So as sites are going live, um, get one of your partner sites that have been live and experienced for a little while and share their information with uh, the new hospital so they can kind of buddy up, they can share the lessons learned. Um, we all love everybody that comes to help us build these systems, but there's nothing more valuable than personal references from sites that have been doing it because you hear the standard build talk and then you hear the reality and you want to somewhere get in, in the middle of that because you want the project to go live if you customize it too much you're never going to go live but you need to have some kind of middle ground to know where to focus on and sometimes that provides a little bit more value than the vendor directly um, telling us this is the patient flow podcast powered by teletracking your source for insightful conversations by industry leaders making a difference in patient flow today.